Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Mind Shifters Radio with your co-host, the Forgiveness Doctor, Dr. Michael Rice, and his wife, Jeannie. Michael and Jeannie share with you the wisdom of the ancient Aramaic internal process of forgiveness. They offer tools and support five days a week. They will support you in building a solid foundation within yourself to live in pure love. In Aramaic, Rachma. Michael is the author of Why Is This Happening to Me Again? For more information on Michael and Jeannie, please visit www.whyagain.com. And now your co-host, The Forgiveness Doctor, Dr. Michael and Jeannie Rice. To the brightness within you and the truth that is rooted within me. Welcome to Mind Shifters Radio with The Forgiveness Doctor, Dr. Michael Rice. I'm your co-host, Jeannie Rice, along with Dr. Tim Hayes, and we welcome you to the show. Today is a day to be remembered. It is September the 11th, 2015. It's Friday. Our call-in number is 646-200-4169. Press 1, and that puts you in queue to talk to us. And we would love to hear your comments and your questions, because then that makes this your show. Welcome, Michael. Thank you, dear heart, and welcome, everybody. We're honored that you're here to join us again today, and that we get to share this time to inquire about, engage in, understanding, and bringing forward the ancient Aramaic process of forgiveness, the internal process, as opposed to what most of the world calls forgiveness, an external act of letting others off the hook for what's happening inside of oneself, where forgiveness, as opposed to letting someone off the hook, is about how I go inside myself and remove the root of my pain, my turmoil, my trauma, to remove cause rather than keep dealing with effects. And most of the world looks at effects, not realizing the part, the powerful, powerful part they have in producing those effects, oftentimes called symptoms, and engaging in the use of substances that ameliorate sometimes temporarily, sometimes so weakening that the symptoms of whatever is going on in the structure are permanently removed. And yet, producing a whole other realm of disorders, introducing a whole host of diseases because of the toxic substance used to control the first set of symptoms. This generally is called treatment. Certainly, if one is suffering from some sort of a painful disorder, treatment can be a really wonderful thing. I mean, the Alleviation of suffering, the removal of pain, is pretty awesome. However, if you look at the long-term cost, and the long-term cost ultimately means more disorders and more diseases, 
Does it make sense? Anyone who's suffering, generally speaking, offer them a way out of their suffering that's short and sweet. Give me a pill, doc, and it's all fixed. <clears throat> of course, that's the lie. It's not fixed. It's been treated. And symptomatically, it is perhaps not experienced, but at what cost? Our offering to the world is go for your treatments. Again, it's wonderful to have pain alleviated, to have symptoms disappear. But at the same time as that treatment is offered, especially if you know, I mean, if, if you take a substance and you put it into a healthy body and you know it will make the healthy body sick, is there any universe in, what it may, in which it makes sense to put that substance that causes a healthy body to become sick and think you've done it a favor? Well, yes, you have done it a favor. Its symptoms have at least temporarily been ameliorated. But, again, what's the cost? As you offer that alleviation of symptoms, which you know is going to have long-term deleterious effects, it would seem to make sense to offer healing at the same time. To spend some time researching cause, as opposed to, if you look at research efforts in the world today, most research efforts are about how do we create a treatment? How do we create a patentable substance that will improve symptomatology and hopefully create a lifetime customer for this particular substance. <clears throat> Any research that is not looking at cause is looking for customers. As a society, we are appealed to at every turn. Oh, there's a pink ribbon. Give money. Well, before you give money, look at what the executives that are running the organization that's receiving your money are receiving. Are they receiving the lion's share of that funding that you give? Does that make sense? Oh, but there's a fireman standing out in the middle of the road in the hot sun with a boot saying, we want to support this. What are they really supporting? Are they supporting someone who's looking to actually cure a disorder or someone who's looking for a way to create customers for long-term expensive therapeutic or so-called therapeutic procedures. My invitation is to consider funding that which actually looks at and deals with cause and empowers people not just to be freed of their symptoms temporarily at the cost of some perhaps degenerative disorder. You know, you look at the television set and you you look at the the ads where, gee, you've got a hangnail, but, you know, your fingers might fall off, your toes might crumble, and your heart will fail. But, but you know, you're going to have the symptoms removed of that problem that you've got. I mean, and you look at the... Um, the visual manipulation that's done because you'll notice when they start in the in the drug ads, when they start telling you about all the body parts that are going to fall off, <laughs> if you take this drug to get rid of this, you know, perhaps innocuous so-called disorder. I, we watched one last week. We were in the city and we were watching television. We don't have television out here in the Ozarks. And, uh, and there was an ad about 
skin eruptions. Now, a skin eruption says from a point of view of cause, as a nature path would see it, which is my field, says that there's some eliminative organ in the body that isn't working properly, and so the skin, the largest eliminative organ in the body, is taking over, and there's an eruption. And if you can deal with cause, then you're going to clear the pathways that the body should be using for this particular uh, toxicity contained in the cells. And you're going to open that pathway and allow the normal eliminative process to take over, and the skin eruption is going to disappear. But this particular ad you know, talks about somebody with these terrible skin eruptions, and then says, here's our solution. And then as they show, you know, the smiling, loving couple dancing through the daisies almost, <laughs> a visual manipulation that you'll associate smiling, dancing through the daisies with all these so-called side effects. And literally, in order to get rid of the skin eruptions, you may have a heart attack and die, but, but your skin eruptions are good. You know, when they bury you, you're not going to have any skin eruptions. And it's like, is anybody listening? Now, I can only presume that not many people are listening because they're spending more and more and more billions every day with this kind of insane advertising. Personally, I think all drug advertising should be stopped yesterday. It has more impact on the world than anybody can conceive if you need something in that regard, according to your choice-making process and your healthcare provider, if you have an actual healthcare provider, then go for it. Then your healthcare provider will tell you about it, and that's it. But brainwashing people that this is what they need and go talk to your doctor and see if it's right for you that you should get it is insane, however you cut it. We invite everybody to start looking at their lives from the perspective of What's my responsibility in what is happening in my body? And are there methods, are there things that I need to change? You know, so often the message of the drug commercial is, oh, you can keep up eating those greasy foods, those junky foods. Go ahead, gobble them down, overstuff yourself. But we've got the magic pink or yellow or purple pill, and you can just keep up with that habit and, and we'll take care of your discomfort. Of course, they can't take care of the fact that eating that way is killing you, but you can keep doing that, hide the fact that it's destroying you, and become a customer. Our invitation is to start to reach out into the world and understand cause in your life and support work and research that's about cause rather than about ameliorating effects. One of the key tools in dealing with the cause of any disorder, and I'm talking about any disorder in your life, be it financial, be it physical, be it mental, be it emotional, be it relationship, be it happiness. The key pathway to healing and this is why 2,000 years ago there was a man who gained a reputation as the great physician. 
he showed people. He didn't do it for them. You know, you look at and and, and that's kind of covered up. There's there's one particular case where Yeshua was dealing with a woman who's had an issue of blood for 12 years. That is a pretty serious problem for a woman in the Jewish household. I mean, this means this woman cannot feed her own children. She can't go into her own kitchen because she is unclean. And when the scenario is complete, Yeshua turns to her and tells her what changed her serious physical disease condition. And that was her own action. He didn't have a pill for her. He didn't have a magic potion. He didn't say some magic words. He said, woman, what you had faith in, what you did, has made you whole. Is there any area in your life that is not whole? If there is, then I guarantee you the only thing that will make you whole will be what you do. It won't come from a pill. pill might take care of your symptoms. It will come from how you change your mind and your energy field. The key tool that we're offering is the tool of forgiveness. The word forgive in the ancient Aramaic language, and when you look at the ancient scriptures, you don't hear a whole lot of how people tutored or were tutored by Yeshua on how to forgive. But when he said, you must forgive from your heart the wrongs of your brother, he wasn't giving us some sort of a a bleeding heart statement, forgive from your heart. He was saying, and and, and we haven't been able to translate this word heart from the ancient Aramaic until just the last few decades in the Western world, that word heart we now know means the unconscious. He was saying you've got to remove from the part of your mind that is hidden from you that which you put into your brain's image of your brother that your perception reflects your content, but you see it as belonging to someone else because your mind is creating hallucinations of other people being the problem in your life. He says you must remove that from your unconscious. The defining tool is forgiveness. What I've spent the last 35 or so years doing is understanding how that tool works and how, when wherever we are in denial and dissociation, we project. In other words, we have something we're feeling, some sort of disturbance, and we want to talk about and lash our tongues and our fingers out at somebody else. Yes, I would say to you, if that's what you're doing, if you can conceive of someone else being the cause of the disturbance in your field, yes, she would say to you, you must change your action. You must remove from your unconscious that which you are injecting into your brain's image of your brother. Perception, the world we see, injection. We inject the content of our own structures and there are only two qualities of content in your structure. There are dis-ease processes happening, and that is energies that don't belong in your structure. 
disintegrative energies and there are integrative energies. You want to engage in the practice of using only integrative energies to create your construct called perception, the realities your mind sees. You, you, in order to be truly healthy, in order to have real true high-level wellness, you've got to engage in the practice of only building your perception out of those things in you which are key to love. And whenever your mind wants to use something based in hostility or fear. And how can you tell if your mind is using something based in hostility or fear? You're experiencing some form of hostility or fear. So you must remove that from your structure instead of putting it into your brain's image of everybody else and thinking everybody else is responsible for your feelings. It's a monumental task if you come from a world where everybody else is to blame. And who has ever seen anybody out there when they're in pain, say, oh, I'm experiencing deep, horrible pain right now that I know belongs to me and is a reflection of my own rage. How many ever saw your dad turn to your mother in a fit of rage, say, I'm experiencing deep, horrible rage. My rage is up for me to heal. Thank you, dear wife, for showing it to me. Who was brought up with the mom who said, when she was in her rage. Dear husband, when I look at you and I think about what you've just done, it brings up my deepest pain and fear and grief. And I realize I need to heal my pain, my fear, and my grief. What if we all had modeled? The dad who said, wife, you really make me mad. And the wife who said, husband, you really make me sad. Total, complete projection. No responsibility whatsoever for what's going on inside. It's a giant leap to move out of the constructs we've had modeled, the way of constructing perception that we've had modeled by our world in every arena, and I mean every arena. Rarely like maybe two times in the thousands of times I've asked people, have they ever seen somebody use actual responsibility communication? Rarely has anyone ever seen such a thing. Uh, what in this culture would be considered a gross anomaly of someone who actually speaks like they're responsible for what's going on inside themselves. The learning process is to learn to speak, to, to bypass the modeling that the culture has done from day one for each of us and to actually learn to speak out of responsibility for the content of our own minds. It's a huge piece of work. It's an awesome piece of work to do and an amazing contribution to make to the world. Changes everything. And we're here to support that change happening. And one of the things that motivates me deeply and we just had our son come and visit, and hopefully in a couple of weeks we're going to meet in Branson with the daughter and her family. But I can remember when my son was born, looking around at the world and saying to myself, if somebody doesn't do something, there's not going to be a place for my kids to grow up. That became my motivator to develop this work, to do what it took to keep putting one foot in front of the other, to break loose from 
the insanity of a world gone mad in blame. How it's everybody else's fault. And to learn to bring back to responsibility ownership for the very world that we see. Because the world that you see is a construct of your mind. It does not exist the way that you see it. There are reference points that trick you into thinking that you're seeing what's out there. It's all an inside job. So we're here to to learn ourselves, and I'm talking about everyone who speaks on this show, we're here to learn ourselves how to bypass the modeling that we've been brainwashed with, and it could possibly be someone else's fault. That when disturbance comes, it's so uh, so automatic for most people to just go into, yeah, look at whoever's present, it's your fault. doesn't matter if 30 seconds of I was saying how much I love you and honor you and cherish you and want to be with you forever. It's all your fault when the disturbance comes up. It doesn't matter if it's that cherished child that, that you just wanted so deeply and dearly. But if they're the only object of attention around and the stress is up and the chips are down, the construct of the mind will tell us that the child is the cause of our feelings. And that's insane. We're here to overcome and to heal the insane mind, bring sanity to it, bring ownership, and bring empowerment because it is the very key to creatorship and empowerment. And so that's what we're here to do. And we're honored to have your ears and your voice be part of the process. Because simply by lending ears to a deeper level of understanding, you increase the energy of that understanding on planet Earth. There was a teacher 2,000 years ago, a physiologist, a physicist, who said a little leavening leavens the whole loaf. I think we can rest assured that he was not talking about bread. He was talking about critical mass and physics. If we can get this level of understanding to enough minds, there will be a critical mass shift in humanity on planet Earth. That, I would offer, is our hope for survival for our generations. And survival in adequacy and abundance as opposed to the load that we're currently leaving for future generations. So we're honored that you are lending your ears. Maybe that's what uh, what he meant when he said, friends, Romans, and countrymen, lend me your ears. Engage in this vibration and strengthen it with me. So we're honored that you're here, and Jeannie, is Dr. Tim with us today? He is, and he's on. Well, let's say hello and see if Dr. Tim has any thoughts on that, those comments or anything to share with us today. Well, my thought is that I'm very glad that you had that epiphany with your son and decided to get into this work and are sharing it because it's certainly my picking up these tools and using them has dramatically improved the quality of my life. And and we had a support group last night. We watched... Uh, we had a little discussion first and then we decided which 
video to watch based on the discussion. And we watched the first part of the most recent version that I own of Healing Through Relationships. Ah! And it was quite timely because we arrived at it based on what the people in the group. There were um, four people plus me, so what they were most interested in hearing about and what the discussion was about. And then a little bit more discussion, and then I offered people a chance to do a, a worksheet. And no one was so eager, so I ended up doing a worksheet, and I did a worksheet on something that got triggered in me last week, and it was um, fascinating to me because when I was only on the second or third step where it says I'm, I willingly go through and face out all disease-producing energies for and from my relations and generations, I got a very vivid image of my father's mother. Mm. And that was never a fun relationship in my life. And so it was um it was up right away and uh that's fairly rare for me in a in a worksheet that I get an insight into where it's going that early on. And then when I did the release I mean the the emotion I had up was irritation and and when I did the release I tapped into the theme about what had triggered me was my thought that someone had done something that was going to reflect badly on me. And so when I did the release, I tapped into with great clarity how this this woman, my father's mother, was basically she drove her life on appearances. She never left the house Truth be told, she never left the bedroom without being fully dressed, all the makeup, all the jewelry and accoutrements, and all the belts matching the purses and shoes, etc. And so it was interesting because I had thought, you know, I've done a lot of work on this kind of stuff, and I'm not really much of one for appearances or worrying about looking good or and yet there it is it's still there so it was a very useful worksheet and it highlighted for me that I had worksheets to do on my ex-wife and worksheets more to do on my grandmother on my father's side and and I think it was quite instructive for the group somebody else who was in the room as we were doing some discussion clicked into another piece for him that really opened a big, big door because he'd been very shut down with feeling a lack of emotion and basically retreating into his logical mind and staying, you know, unconscious about what's going on at the emotional level. And he was able to tap into something that happened when he was two or three years old that opened a door that let him understand connections so he can start peeling back the layers. So it was very, very productive. Awesome. 
the power of a, a group of people coming together to heal is just um, beyond amazing, isn't it? Indeed it is. And week after week we get to see the benefits. I certainly hope that more people will be inspired over time to either start their own support group or seek one out because they are wonderful tools for accelerating the progress. Yes, and in fact, I got a uh, a Facebook message from Sunny who called in yesterday about their visit to the endocrinologist with her daughter. She's actually and, on uh, the switchboard. Oh, well, maybe she'll share it personally. Let's say hello to Sunny. All right. Hey there, young lady. Welcome. Hi. I was so delighted to get that message this morning. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. I couldn't find, I guess that is our the Facebook page available now, right? It's just the one under your name? Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Yes. Thank all of you and very, my, very much. The Facebook page, the Facebook page is uh, JM underscore RYCE. Oh, let me write that Jeannie down. and Michael Rice. Okay. Carry on. As you were so saying. Tell us about uh tell us about oh. your uh your your happening at the endocrinologist yesterday. <laughs> um actually as you were, were talking in the intro and so on, I would like very much to pay tribute, you and I, um, to Doctor Reams and his work and much like yourself and mm. Down his life, and that's a, another mutual ground that you and I, ironically, if you will use that word, share. Um, the endocrinologist did not understand the <laughs> idea. Um, he said, "How are things going?" I'll talk kind of quickly, and he said, "How are things going?" And I said, "Well, relatively good, if all things considered." And um. I had to explain to him, I'll be even more brief, I had to explain to him how formerly at 138 pounds at five foot three, Markela was experiencing stored insulin that was being stored as fat and how now it's being stored as blood alcohol. He said, blood alcohol, what are you, and he's just shaking his head like, I don't know what you're talking about. And this is an endocrinologist at Peyton Manning Children's Hospital, okay? Mm-hmm. And... Um, I said, well, obviously. He said, well, is she eating? Look at her. She's 114 pounds. And I said, she said, yeah. She said, I, I eat what I want when I want. <laughs> and um, we were trying to explain these symptoms that she's been experiencing in this struggle when she pushes low and she's drunk. You know, I said, and this is happening. It's too much insulin. These drugs that you're speaking of, how, you know, if we follow that path, well, apparently no one else has brought these ideas to his attention. And I, I know that the worksheet process has been a great deal of the healing there in the generational work. I I, ha- I know that it is because my daughter has not yet developed the brain cells independently to be aware of, of much of what she's experiencing. And I just, as again, I just, I thank you, I thank you, I thank you. Um, so the net result was... In terms of um, the uh, measurable markers, she had a reduction in her uh, symptomatology, correct? 
Yes, by two points. Um, if you know what an A1C reading is for diabetics, that is a test that they perform in, by their standards to determine whether you're diabetic at all or how in control they have you with their drugs. And her last appointment nearly four months ago, she was a very frightening, by anyone's standards, 11.3 out of control and 138 pounds, whereas um, weight, body weight and mass does not play into a type 1 diabetic as it does for type 2. Um, they claim type 1 people, for a clearer picture, um, cannot control their diabetes with diet. That is what they teach you, and they've pounded in my kid's head since she was 10 years old. There's nothing you can do about this. This will not go away. Eat anything you want. Just cover it with insulin. So yeah, right. This has been my battle, <laughs> my my prayer, my focus. This is my little cat wanting out the door. He thinks, but it's ringing. So I'm sorry about the bell ringing in the background. Um, so this doctor is shaking his head. And Susan, I thank you because the doctor asked my daughter. He said, what is it, I forget exactly, what is it you want, Markela, or what do you think, Markela? And she said, I just want to eat what I want, when I want. So that speaks much to maybe some, I don't like the word resentment, but... um, I'm going to elaborate with her. I thank you, Susan, for the the tip. I was still listening um, yesterday when you called in, and and God bless you for your offering. I'm going to do that with her. Um, I think it was actually Julie. Julie? Julie. Okay, Julie. Thank you very much. Um, So um, he made no changes, and I flat out told him, I said, well, he says, well, you haven't called in when she's had these lows to correct. And I said, no, I've quit calling you. (laughs) I said, because your answer would have been, in fact, more insulin, and she's getting too much. Would you not agree? And he just shook his head, and he just looked off into space like, I don't know. (laughs) I have no idea what what, whatever it is is working. And I said, well, it's down to her her choices, and um, I've kind of just let her go. She's going to be her own person very soon here. She has to make some choices and and learn what does and does not work for her. And when she crashes and burns, I'm there to catch her. I am the mama. And um, But, yeah, and I'm just watching her grow. And he just kind of looks. And my final words to him, I said, well, love heals all things, Dr. Riggs. <laughs> and he just said, well, I guess so. <laughs> yeah, so, and, and I'd... I'd support you letting go of the thought that there'll be any crashing and burning. Well, yeah. But that's a, that's yeah. an energetic pattern that perhaps is a a family one that might take a few worksheets to let go of. And and nobody in your family, you or your daughter, needs to crash and burn to move higher. Exactly. I'd support you just and forgiving that thought and knowing I, that it's strength to strength, plateau to plateau. Uh, I want to add with that, and I did hear every word you said, yes, and in these baby steps, and they're, they're hers largely, and keeping my worksheet process going, um, that uh, she's now feeling more empowered 
um, in terms of what does, in fact, work for her and, and keep her, cool. keeping her from going into those crisis points of where she's just totally debilitated in those moments. But I've learned a great deal, though it's it's still hard at times for me to wrap my mind around releasing the goal. And so much mm-hmm. of this has been about my selfish little goals for her and her healing, her recovery, and me, 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 me. <laughs> but that well, letting I, go. I like to... Yeah, I like to refer to those goals as, and if you look back, they're usually ultimately related to a power person dynamic, and they're really infantile goals. The demand that someone has to do what I want them to do when I want them to do it. And because of those goals, we find ourselves in deep stress, and in deep stress, it always relates back to the power person. And so, you know, let's review, because it is, it's, so totally stupid to say I have this perfectly wonderful goal for my daughter to be healthy and well and for me to cancel that goal because I'm an upset around it. It's like that's stupid to do that until you understand how the mind works. And then when you recognize that perception is a construct of the mind. If my perception holds trauma about what I perceive to be my daughter's condition then I am a traumatic energy field contributing to her trauma. And the thing that drives that trauma in me, the thing that causes my mind to select my trauma to build my perception, to construct my perception around my daughter, is that I have a goal that accesses or draws on the traumatic experiences in my genes and in my life to build my construct called my perception of my daughter. So it is to, to really grasp it, to recognize that, you know, there's there's some Harvard research, and this is an important piece of the puzzle, that says that in a time frame where 10,000 brain cells fire, there's a maximum of nine bits of data that go into the construct we call reality. And so the thing that drives that process is my goals. And so the reason why I cancel a goal, a perfectly wonderful, natural, loving goal that everybody would have for their child, has nothing to do with my child being healthy or sick. It has to do with the fact that when I loaded this driver, this goal, into my perceptual system, that driver called upon the part of me that has some sort of pain, hostility, fear, rage, guilt, grief, whatever it is, and that becomes part of my construct about my daughter. And now, standing in that perceptual construct based in my hostility or fear, whatever it is, I literally, energetically, because everything that moves in me sets up an energy field, I literally, energetically am spraying my hostility or fear on the energy field of my daughter. And if my daughter has any of that in her, then it will tend to increase that hostility and fear in her, which will produce more of the disease process she's experiencing. Yes, so why that. would I cancel why would I cancel my goal? Because when I cancel my goal, I collapse the driver that causes my mind to use my hostility or fear 
in producing my perception and spraying her with that energy. When that collapses, imagine, you know, here at the top of the head is this perceptual reality, this picture that comes from all of the energies moving in me that are also spraying out into the world. And imagine that picture when I cancel my goal, when I cancel the driver for that perception, that perception collapses in on itself. As it collapses in on itself, it's created a pathway directly into that part of my mind that is being used to produce this pain. Now that I'm directly in touch, now that I've canceled my goal, I found a way to drop into that deeper hidden part of my own mental process which creates the energetic patterns that impact and influence my world and my own physiology. So when I, as we do in step four, when I bring love present, and then in step five in the worksheet, I cancel the goal, I'm able to access that underlying dynamic. And, you know, it's pretty well established in the circles of psychology that at least 95% of our mental processes are unconscious. So when I cancel the goal, I get to drop into my own unconscious with love present. And when love is present and any form of hostility or fear which is corrupt data is exposed to that active presence of love, the hostility or fear begins to dissolve. And I get to heal. When I get to heal, I then, let's say for instance, out of confidence hold that I want my daughter to be healthy and well. And out of confidence, loading that driver in my mind and having cleaned up my own fear and hostility about her not being well, I now access only confidence and support for her well-being. Now, my perception is based in her well-being, and I literally, energetically, spray the energy of well-being on her. Guess which environment she's going to thrive in when someone as important as her mother stands in a space of energetic support for well-being rather than fear and terror about sickness and disaster. Which environment do you suppose she's going to thrive in the most? It's pretty obvious. So there's why you can't pull your goal. Yes, and I, I've yeah. been more and more aware of it all the time, Michael, and when, you know, letting go of just automatically instead of, I mean, not instead of, um, when you say to drop the goal and then invite love in, if you're truly dropping your goal once you, I mean, I've had lots of practice, and like I said, it's been, a, it's been some doing, but when I drop my goal, love is just there. I mean, and then to encourage it even further is a new sensation for me, too. It's like I'm just so relieved that love is just there. When I get over myself, I quit me to drop the goal. Love's just there. And then to amplify it. Because and that's what you're both and, made of. Exactly. That's what you're both exactly. made of. That's why it's there. It's the stuff we're made of. It, it never went away. It got covered up perhaps with our hostility, fear, rage, guilt, grief, pain, drama, and trauma, but it never went away. It's always there. It's untouchable. Remember that movie, the, un, or the, the television show, The Untouchables? Yeah. That, that yeah. state of being in her and in you is untouchable. When it becomes the governing frequency in any individual, health and well-being is the result. Start 
supporting and funding research in the world that looks for what inhibits people from staying connected to the truth of who they are as love and leaves their cells diseased and disordered because they're not getting a proper power supply. Then you're going to exactly. change the world. And the inhibitors yeah. Yeah. Um, are what we're exploring, the exact word, the inhibitors in, in you know, for low work right now and, and in my own, the things exactly that that's huge, very profound. And um, where you were suggesting all of the, you know, you always say that there's only so many bits of information that our brains can process, that has been hugely healing for me. And in the beginning when I first started approaching the radio show two, three years back, um, it wasn't fun because I was redeveloping my brain and I realized how much clutter and chaos and understanding, and I, I can tell you firsthand, your brain can only handle so much information just as you describe it before something goes tilt, you know, or something's going to crash. And... um I just can't thank you enough. I mean, it's, it is, you've given so much confirmation, so much healing, and profound revelations and awarenesses to me in my life and improving our lives and offering my daughter an opportunity to make her choices at this point, you know, and, and empowering me to, to kind of guide her that... um the rest of the world were speaking horrible convictions on her without this work, and I can't thank you enough. A uh, suggestion that uh, that comes in intuitively as you're speaking is that um, create a space, and, and let's see, I'm not sure what the time of it is. Oh, well... Not sure what it is. Anyway, uh, create a space. Take take a look on YouTube, uh-huh. and on YouTube, put in the search term Jonathan Livingston Seagull. Okay. The full the full movie is available on YouTube, and it's just a powerful metaphor for everything that we're speaking about. Got some awesome music in it. And the bottom line is Seagull, who, you know, is is outcast from the crowd because it has learned that diving for fish heads on the beach and power in the flock isn't what life is about and demonstrates power flying, for which it becomes outcast because it won't accept that, you know, life for seagulls is about fighting for fish heads on the beach and and uh, power in the flock. And so it goes off to to forge its own path, the seagull. And as it does, all of a sudden, out of the nothingness of the what comes support for its process. And then it's empowered and able to go back to the flock and ignore those who are still about the fish heads and the power in the flock and take the ones who are ready to do something different and mentor them. And Jonathan Livingston Seagull's mentor at one point says, 
Remember, Jonathan, to keep working on love. Keep working on love. It's a powerful, beautiful visual. The music is awesome. And you know, create a space where you can sit down and really enjoy it with her. Make some popcorn or whatever and just enjoy it. It's, it's really a sweet movie and, and an uplifting movie, but I think it will give her another level of understanding of the message in a way that's enjoyable and fun. All right. And I'm kind of, she's very, very active. You know, we both are. I've joined her in this haunted house thing as she aspires for FX makeup. Um, but the schedule is pretty heavy getting close to Halloween. But I was hoping mm. yesterday while we were in Indianapolis to catch um, Inside Out. But maybe uh, Sunday she and I can do that because I would still like to do that cool. with her. And um, the, the name of the film is Just Jonathan Living Seagull. Jonathan Livingston Siegel. Just put that into a search bar in uh, YouTube and the whole movie comes up. And, uh, you know, get a, some of her friends together and watch it together. I know you've been mentoring some of them. It would be great for all of them. Okay. And then the Facebook address again because I didn't have pen ready when we did that. My Facebook? Uh, for our you group. Post to it. You, you post to it all the time. It's jm underscore r-y-c-e. Okay. All right. All right. I guess I didn't notice well, the underscore well. L-Y-C-E. But, yes, yeah. thank you ever so much. God bless you all. All right. And, um, Lots of blessings. Thank you. All right. We keep holding the space. Delighted. It's awesome. All right. Have a great all weekend. Right. Okay. Take care. Blessings. Bye-bye. Jeannie, anything else happening in the we chat room? Uh, we have another hand. We actually, I, okay. I am chatting with someone from Czech Republic, and um, he's having to use a translator. He said he doesn't speak English, so got uh, a little conversation going on there. We do have a hand oh, up, nice. and it's okay, area code cool. 541. You're on the air. Hi. Awesome to get the book translated into uh, Czechoslovakia. That would be fabulous. Yeah. All right. That sounded like Julie from Oregon. It is. It is. It is. Hey, young lady. Welcome. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. You sound wonderful, too. We're rock and roll, all things moving forward. I just, I'm so excited to be a witness to this miracle that's happening in Sunny's life. And you both, yeah, together, we go far. And that both of you and all the others who have contributed to this miracle, um, it feels like critical mass, like it's really etching in and it's going to ripple out into the world. So thank you both, primarily Michael and Sunny, for your willingness to commit to it. And Yay. the results. Yeah. So also, I'd like to put a vote in for that movie, Jonathan Livingston Seagull, I think it came out in the 70s, and um, I went to the theater to see it, and I, I was already in love with Neil Diamond's music, who is this right. person doing the soundtrack. And I was mm-hmm. glued to my seat and stayed and watched it a second time right then and there. And I've only done that twice in my life. The other movie was Field of Dreams. Mm, cool. <laughs> so, uh, Sunny, 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 I'm so glad you're going to see Inside Out soon and just keep your movie list somewhere in your phone or something and 
when you have a moment with your daughter, there's two more in the lineup here. <laughs> anyway, that's all. I just wanted to say I'm really just um, I'm feeling the the ripple of possibility between mothers and daughters right now. It's wonderful. And the wisdom, the real wisdom of the body working the way it works and needing needing to communicate that um, what you're doing is not working and what do you want me to do with it? You, do you want to continue to enslave me with it? That's, I was having a conversation with my body last night. It was talking to me. It was saying, you are enslaving me 24-7 with constant eating, and I'm constantly having to deal with this, and I never get any rest. And you know how good we feel when we have rest. So that was one message I was <laughs> So I appreciate the naturopathic system of things, one 24-hour period per week, you drink only water. You eat nothing. Give that system a rest. And the, the power of that is that it changes the specific gravity of the blood when you do that. When you lower the density of the blood, you make space for lymphatic waste to dump into the bloodstream to be eliminated. Oh. When you eat 24-7-365, the specific gravity of the blood is high, which means that the osmotic pressure that would normally exist between the lymphatic system, which is kind of the vacuum cleaner, the, the junk vacuum cleaner of the structure, mm-hmm. the there has to be an osmotic pressure that allows the waste in the lymphatic system to dump into the bloodstream so the bloodstream can eliminate it. If the mm-hmm. specific gravity of the blood is always loaded then the lymphatics can't dump properly, and that's when toxicity starts to build up. That's when things like, I was talking earlier about skin eruptions. There's one of the problems with people with skin eruptions. They never give the eliminative system an opportunity to properly cleanse itself. So that's why, you know, in the naturopathic system of things, you fast one day a week. You go back to Yeshua, and, you know, the the disciples are out there doing all kinds of teaching and and watching healing happen, and they're all excited. They go back and say, yeah, but, you know, we ran across this one guy, and, and we just couldn't get that guy to shift. I don't know what's wrong. And Yeshua says, ah, these ones only come out through prayer, and in Aramaic, prayer means to be the space where active love shows up in the world. It doesn't mean put it order into the cosmic gift catalog. He says, these ones only come out, and notice it's come out through prayer, and forgiveness is coming out, and fasting. You've got to give the digestive system a rest, let the bloodstream empty itself so the specific gravity is lowered, and then the osmotic pressure allows the lymphatics to dump into the bloodstream, and then those wastes can be eliminated. It's part of the process. Well, thank you so much for that. You're welcome. That's You're so, welcome. That's so clear. I don't have to go read books. I'm not a good book there you reader. Go. <laughs> <clears throat> thank you. I'm going to do that. All right. So, Delighted. is it wise? I'm feeling like the wisdom would be for me to make sure that I do it on a day when I don't have a need for a large expenditure of energy, just a day of rest or or little things that I'm doing. In the naturopathic system of healing, what's, Mm -hmm. what's commonly known is that one of the reasons why 
a lot of people stay in their disease processes is because we're so goal-oriented. We have to do, 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 and never lay down long enough to give ourselves time to rest and allow the healing process to occur. So very wise to take a day of rest, fast, and let your body do its work, do its healing. Yes. Yeah, okay. it's not, not, not a good idea to pick the high-energy day, the high-energy output day to do that because it sort of frustrates the process. You might be able to do it. You might be able to call on reserves, but the idea is to mm. give the system a rest. Well, and I would so be in can, a psych... Yeah. I, I would be in a psychological conflict, too, because I would be focusing on wanting to eat, needing and wanting energy, and my habits would be... <clears throat> triggered more easily. So I, if I want to set myself up to succeed, I will choose a day to um, stay in balance with the goal. The primary goal is to do the fast, and that means supporting it with being more restful rather than, ex- you know, like, like I said. So thank you. Yes. And then if you go into extended fasting, mm-hmm. what happens is, you hit a whole new level of vitality, aliveness, and energy where your energy is boundless. Wow. Because the system has cleared itself of toxins. So that's another step in the process. That's kind of taking the next level. It's really not about, I mean, even like when you go to a doctor, they want to add medicines to you. It's not about that, and not even supplements, really. The more you add to your body... And you put your belief in them that they're going to work for you, but you're so. Oh, I, you know, I'm aware that that's all I'm doing is putting my belief that something's going to work, and yet I'm unconscious about what I need to undo for anything to work. So, okay, so this is really good. Um, well, and it's and all I have part one more of question. You want to be, you want to be holy. You want to be able to look at all levels. If because you haven't been, for instance. Feeding yourself properly or feeding yourself with nutrient deficient foods, then you want to make sure that you become nutritionally solvent. That's an important part of the process. But mm-hmm. even, and, and if you've got a known deficiency, utilizing a supplement can be useful and helpful. But even from that, you want to fast occasionally so that the system doesn't start to treat that as an invader and set up antibodies for it. So that's mm-hmm. also a part of the process. And and we mm-hmm. are down to the last few seconds. So I hear you've got one more question. What do you say we start out our next show with that question? Call in early oh. and we'll have the discussion. And other than that, we'll just say thank you, everybody, for being with us and uh, holding the space. Bring a stranger to the show tomorrow. Share the archives from this show and, uh, and create the best year yet of your eternal life. It's an awesome gift to give the world. Blessings. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Mind Shifters Radio with the Forgiveness Doctor, Dr. Michael Rice and his wife Jeannie, who present the internal Aramaic process of forgiveness. Michael and Jeannie are here every Monday through Friday on Earth Angels Radio. For more on Michael and Jeannie, please visit www.yagain.com. That's www. W H Y A G A I N dot com. Evolving continuously.